Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Bob Cox, one of our elders. Welcome to Centennial Church. My name is Ross. Happy New Year. Glad you are here, guests, those uh, visiting us for the first time, second time, glad you're here as well. There's a lot of churches that you could have chosen to visit uh, this morning, and some have more lights and smoke than we do, uh, but I think we have a really good thing going on here, and one of the neat things going on here is that we uh, have a chance to really know each other and love one another well, and uh, I want to just bring you up to speed on some family uh, business this morning and just uh, praise praise reports and other prayers uh, of concern. So I don't know uh, what you got for Christmas. I don't know what was under the tree for you, but I know there's only one guy in this room that got two broken arms for Christmas. So Kaysen, stand up and put your show everybody your uh, cast there. Kaysen Regner. Uh, can you believe his dad would give him a hoverboard for Christmas? That is just <laughs> foolish. Uh, Kaysen, we're glad you're back with us and we're glad that you're okay uh, next year ask for an Atari, okay? That's the way to go, an Atari. It's very, very safe. And I see over here the Hessens, they have been through, <clears throat> through quite the ringer in 2016 and even in 2017 here. Now Jim lost his sister to cancer and Jill's had some continuing health problems this week. They ruled out some heart issues, right? So praise, praise God for that. Bruce Jackson back here has had some health. Good to have Bruce back with us. He had a, a heart procedure in December, was it no, November? Sometime back there, 2016. Let's just get it, get that year behind us, you know. Oh, man. Uh, also, usually right down here, Deanna Sarsfield. We've been praying for Deanna after uh, Thanksgiving or right before Thanksgiving, I guess it was. Had a brain injury and has been in the hospital since then. Uh, our children's minister, Rebecca and Johanna, went down. Where'd Johanna go? Uh, went down there uh, yesterday or Saturday. Um, and there's good things going there. Deanna is, is back on Facebook being her wisecrack self, um, really some positive things there. She told me, uh, or she told Rebecca to tell me that she would be back here in this first row. This is where she always sits. She would be back soon to heckle me. Uh, and if you know Deanna or you've been here, you know uh, she doesn't just keep her mouth shut in church. So, um, so that's good. That's great. Um, other things, um, oh, we've been just delivering babies like crazy around here. We've got one more to celebrate. The Hatchers, I think this was right before Christmas, or I'm not sure. This, this is Sadie, Sadie Hatcher. So uh, Kevin and Kaylee are doing well. So we got one more to celebrate. And uh, uh, this means our, we really need some more help holding babies back in the nursery pretty soon, okay? So uh, mine's four months. We've had a lot of newborns over the holidays. Uh, congratulations to the Hatchers. Also, I should mention... One of our mission partners, uh, John and Wendy Bachelman, are usually sitting over here. John landed in Africa, uh, in Nairobi yesterday, got there safely. But as John was leaving on Friday, their little one-year-old, two-year-old, Garrett, two, uh, little Garrett developed an infection in his thigh. And they were really worried about it, got him some meds, but were worried that they were going to have to hospitalize him, and this is the same day that John is leaving the country. So uh, Wendy texted me this morning, little Garrett's doing better. It looks like hospitalization won't have to happen, but you can imagine dad uh, is around the world. Grandparents are here, thankfully, but if you have Wendy's cell phone number in your phone or you have her email, you might want to just want to reach out to Wendy, see how she's doing this week. Um, so tough stuff. Um, I think... That's most of the family updates. So glad uh, that you're here. Would you just bow with me? I know we just prayed, but um, would you? Oh, 
I know what I forgot to praise God for. Excuse me, I can't. We can, we've got to celebrate this. Most of you, if you've been around Centennial Church, a little family business here, we went into December with um, a pretty significant budget deficit, giving deficit. And uh, I, it wasn't d- devastating, but it was significant. We were almost two months behind our giving budget. Uh, I don't think that we caught up with all of that, but the good news, we'll have the final numbers here soon, but the good news is that we had the best December that we've ever had, uh, at least in recent history. We, we collected $126,000 in the month of December. So um, give it up uh, and let's... Uh, I don't want those things. I'm glad I, I'm glad I remembered that. Uh, the spirit place, I, we need when we, we talk about this, we bring it to your attention, we pray, for, we ask for help, and uh, God comes through, and we need to thank him for that. Amen? So that's a great, great news. Would you pray with me, and then we'll uh, jump into God's word. Father God, we uh, just come to you, and uh, Lord, we have burdens and we have worries. Uh, there are folks here that are carrying things that uh, only they know about this morning. And so every heart here needs you in unique ways. Lord, we thank you uh, for these things. We thank you for sustaining the Hessens through this period. We thank you for uh, getting Kaysen through surgery, and and thank you for his spirit in this. And Lord, uh, for Deanna, we just pray your continued uh, healing on her body and her brain, and Lord, that she would uh, be back in here in the first row um, soon with us. Lord, thanks for providing through... um, through our family, but thank you for being faithful to our needs. Lord, um, we, we don't want to take that for granted. We don't want to just uh, speed by that. So God, we thank you so much uh, for your grace to us, your, your grace to us in Jesus, your grace to us in our daily needs. Um, it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So pull out your Bible, if you will, and we will uh, get there shortly. Um, but let me ask this, who, uh, who traveled over the holidays? Raise your hand if you traveled over the holidays. Get those hands up. Uh, Matt, where'd you guys go? San Antonio. Anyone can beat uh, San Antonio for distance? Jamie, where, where'd you go over here? Salt Lake. Okay, I think that wins so far. Someone said Chicago. Who else? Where'd you travel? Yeah. L.A. Okay, good. Philip. Africa. Okay, he wins. Sorry. <laughs> okay, that's, that's a good one. I, I, I can't beat that. Would you believe me if I told you that my family, I've got a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and now a five-month-old. Would you believe me if I told you that over the holiday season, we just decided on Christmas afternoon to, to pile in the, the Honda Pilot and go for an 18-hour drive? Just to kind of cruise around, maybe eat a few places, and uh, then just uh, see the sights and just kind of no destination, uh, in fact, but just kind of go for a, a nice leisurely uh, drive. Would you believe me? Would you believe that this microphone is still not fixed? Uh, you guys need to give more money, okay? Uh, golly. Uh, no, you shouldn't believe me because we didn't just go for a leisurely drive. We went for an 18-hour drive to Alabama, in fact, to see my mother-in-law to celebrate Christmas. We left on Christmas Day, and we all piled in there. And uh, I don't know, you know, what used to be an 11-hour trip is now an 18-hour trip with uh, a newborn baby and some other kids. And uh, thank God for electronics, you know? Um, boy, their addiction, but when you're in the car, it really helps. But we made it, and we survived. You know, no one gets in their car 
and just drives around aimlessly. You know, I used to have a motorcycle years ago, lived in Colorado for a while, and I would drive around aimlessly on a motorcycle in Colorado. Uh, but you, most of us don't get in the car and just drive around without a destination, right? We're on our way to San Antonio. We're on our way to Africa. We board that plane. We're on our way to Alabama. And even when I'm driving, I, even just small trips, I have, a, I have a goal. I have a destination. And usually, as I've said a couple weeks ago, it's Walmart or Sprouts. I set a record. I told some of you, uh, I set a record over the holidays when one day, in one eight-hour period, I went to the grocery store six times. Yeah, that was my goal. That was my, or I should say, that was her goal. That was her destination. And I was just the driver, just the faithful servant, you know, to do that. When we got to Alabama, the great thing about going to Alabama is uh, mother-in-law has lots of land. There's woods. There's uh, things besides electronics. And so we were able to romp and, and roam around. And one of the great things about being on land is being able to shoot guns, right? So it's pretty nice to see your wife, uh, you know, shoot a 357 Magnum. You know, that's pretty cool. And Braxton got to shoot his first 22. And, and what, what do you think we shot at uh, while we were there in Alabama? Take a guess. Deer? No, not deer. A tin can? How many of you think we shot at nothing? We just, like the cowboys of old, just raised it up in the air, boom, 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 just to get people's attention. No. We went to shoot guns, but we had a target. In this case, it was a 2 by 12 old piece of plywood and an old igloo uh, cooler that we were putting holes through. But we had a target. You, you, we have a target. And a great old saint, a great man named Howard Hendricks once said, aim at nothing and you'll hit it every time. Aim at nothing and you'll hit it every time. See, we have a destination. We don't get in the car and just drive around aimlessly. And we don't take target practice at nothing. We have a target. We have an aim. We have a mission. And for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about our mission, our mission as believers, our mission as believers. We, we have a mission statement here that says we want to center lives on Jesus Christ. And then there's four kind of strategies that we want to do that, how we go about doing that through genuine community, authentic worship, biblical teaching, and holistic mission. And a lot of people ask, what does holistic mean? We're going to talk primarily about that next week, okay? Holistic. So be here as we define holistic. But we're going to talk about this key strategy to, to live on mission because no one lives their life without a mission, Without an aim. Now, it may be unconscious, it may be subconscious, but even if you don't live on the mission of God, you at least live with some mission, right? Your mission uh, may subconsciously be affluence. You live to get, right? You live to have stuff. You live for toys. You live for leisure. You might not admit that, but if you looked at your life or someone from an objective uh, outside perspective, I say that's, that's your mission, uh, some of us may be, may be living for the comfort of our kids. Uh, hey, hey, I want my kids to have a better shot. I want my kids to have more opportunities and, and a better life growing up than I did. That's a good goal, but that can become your end goal. That can become your, your mission in life. They say that Frisco is one of the top or the top cities in our nation to raise an athlete. To raise an athlete. And that's a fine goal, but if that's your mission in life to live through your kids or to have your kids be successful and be some great stellar athlete or great student, if that's, if that's your mission, well, that's a low goal. 
That's a low mission, and particularly if you're a Christian, if you're a believer this morning. We will all live on mission for something. If we're not living on mission for God, it will be something less, it will be something else. But it won't be what God has asked us to do. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. We have this thing called the Great Commission. It's not called a a small commission. Uh, One author has said it's really more like the great omission because we're not really about it. We know, I mean, we kind of know cognitively, if if you've been around church or you grew up in church, you know, hey, I'm supposed to be sharing Jesus with people. I know I'm supposed to do that, but uh, really, are we very intentional or in practice? How many times a month does that actually happen? How many times a month are we actually having intentional conversations about the person of Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations, right? That's our mission, making disciples, seeing lives centered on Jesus Christ. Uh, Around here, you notice uh, earlier I said that John and Wendy Bockelman are some of our missions partners. And I chose that language uh, intentionally because around here at Centennial Church, we don't have missionaries, we don't, if you go to our website, you don't find missionaries. What you find are mission partners. Why? Because every believer is a missionary. We're all missionaries. Every believer is a minister and a missionary. We have missions partners, people that are also on mission that we're partnering to support and to send and to pray for. But every person in this room is either a mission field or a missionary. And that's what we want to focus on our lives on, focus our time on these next four weeks, what does it look like to live on the mission of God of making disciples, okay? So turn with me to a uh, kind of unusual passage, perhaps, to talk about missions, but Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to springboard from this morning, okay? Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses uh, 15 through 20, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more, Okay. Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20, and this is not going to be on the screen purposefully, okay? I want you to open the Bible, those black Bibles in front of you, or pull out our CC mobile app, and there's a Bible on there, uh, but have the Bible in front of you, okay? Look at it. Underline these words with me, okay? Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Here we go. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent." For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We'll stop there. What is this passage about? Or better yet, who is this passage about? It begins with a pronoun here, he, but it's, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. It just goes on and on. It's just packed with these descriptors of who Jesus is and, and how he rules, that he's the creator. And not only is the, he the creator, but he's the sustainer of all things. He created it all, and it was all made for him. In fact, uh, in verse, uh, the end of verse 16, it says that, or excuse me, the end of verse uh, uh, 7, 18. 
He's the firstborn from among the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. In everything, Jesus might be preeminent. Some of your translations might say that, uh, that he might come to have first place in everything. I like that old word, preeminent. That he might be first place, that he might be preeminent above all other things. That's his desire. That's Jesus' desire for him to reign first in your heart, to reign first in your priorities in 2017, for your life to be focused all about Jesus, to be centered at the center of who you are and all that you're about is Jesus. If you look in your Bible, as you study your Bible, you always want to look for repeated terms. And as, as you look in these, these brief verses, you'll find all, if you want to underline all, every time it appears in those verses, I've underlined it in my Bible seven times, that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. All things were created by him. All things were created through him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In verse 19, all the fullness of God was, uh, uh, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. And to reconcile him to himself all things. Jesus is it. Jesus is the deal. He's not just an accessory to our life, but he's, he's the creator of life. He's to be the center of life. He holds it all together. And look at verse 16. That's where I wanted to go. Verse 16. Verse 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Get this. All things were created through him and for him. Underline in your Bibles, through and for. Everything was created through Jesus or by Jesus, and get this, everything was created for Jesus. What that means is that you and I are the creation of Jesus, and we are created for him. We belong to him. Our lives are for him. Our lives are to be at his disposal, right? And if he created all things and all things are for him, then guess what? That means that our neighbors, that means that our coworkers, that means that our family, that means the, the people that we don't know in our neighborhood were also created for him. And they, therefore, need to know that and need to know him. Look at verses uh, 19 and 20. Uh, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell him, dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Jesus is wanting to reconcile the world to himself. The world's broken. The world's fractured. I mean, we knew this before 2016, but 26, 2016 has certainly shown us that the world is broken and fractured and divided. And that the mission of God, the beautiful mission of God is to reconcile all things on this earth to him and to reconcile people back together. Jesus came to reconcile this world. In his own words, Jesus said this in Luke 19.10 as he was in a guy named Zacchaeus' home. He, he invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. And in uh, verse 10 of Luke 19, he says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. And if that was Jesus' mission to reconcile all things to himself and to seek and to save the lost, if we belong to Jesus and our lives are for him, doesn't it somehow mean that our lives should be about the, the mission of Jesus as well, right? Seeking out the lost, helping them find life, helping them find their mission and their purpose in Jesus. Our lives are for Jesus. Our neighbors, our coworkers, friends, their lives are for Jesus, and they won't find purpose in life true purpose in life, until they find Jesus. So we're to be about this mission of God. 
As Christians, you know, we, we know, we kind of know, hey, uh, I'm supposed to be about this. Uh, our mission statement has not only holistic mission, but it says we're supposed to have genuine community. And we're supposed to have, a, uh, we do, we center our lives on Jesus through authentic worship and biblical teaching. And, you know, uh, we would never say, as believers here, we would never say, hey, you can live your life uh, uh, centered on Jesus, but do without biblical teaching. That's kind of an option. We would never say that, would we? We, we, we would never advise one to say, hey, uh, live your life for Jesus, but just kind of do it by yourself. Don't worry about the church. Don't worry about community. Just kind of live your life for Jesus by yourself. No, we have to have genuine community. There's no way we can live this life for Jesus by ourselves. There's no Lone Ranger Christian. But you know what we often do? We often say, yeah, that, that mission deal, that's for somebody else. That's for Ross, or that's for the missionaries. That's for the professionals. No. It's not optional either. We all, in somehow, in some way, have to be on this mission of seeking and saving the lost, of reconciling people to Jesus. That's, what, that's his work for us here. Go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. Look at verses 28 and 29 of Colossians chapter 1. Verse 28 says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. What word do you see repeated in verse 28? Three times. Everyone. Him we proclaim. Who is, who is it that we proclaim? Jesus. Jesus is who we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Everyone needs the gospel. Everyone needs Jesus. And notice that he says to present them mature in Christ. The Great Commission is not just getting people to make decisions for Jesus, but the Great Commission involves discipling them to be mature in Jesus, that we may present everyone not just to get saved, but to become mature in Jesus. The Great Commission. It's been said that nowhere in the New Testament... Nowhere in the New Testament does Jesus tell the world to go to church. Did you know that? There's no place in the Bible that, that Jesus is telling people, hey, get to church. But there's a lot of places in the Bible where Jesus tells the church to go to the world. Hey, church, go to the world. Go out and rescue my people and then bring them in. They're not going to come to you. You've got to go to them. And we just went through a season that we like to call Christmas, right? I mean, we just, we just had Christmas. You know what Christmas is, what we just celebrated? Christmas is, is the beginning of the earthly mission of Jesus. It's his missionary trip. It's Jesus coming to our world. We, we weren't going to him. We had rejected him. So Christmas is Jesus saying, okay, I've got to come into your world to rescue you. I've got to, for me to, to, to find you and to seek you out, I've got to enter your world. He didn't say, hey, just figure it on out, figure it all out down there. I'll be up here in heaven. He came, he stepped into our world in the flesh. That's what Christmas means. And he asked us not to remove ourselves from the world, but to step in to the world as well. He didn't tell the world to go to church. He tells the church to go to the world. And that's why when you leave here today, there's a sign above those glass doors that says, start here, go everywhere. Because the mission field begins here. Don't tell me you want to uh, go on the next Haiti trip if you don't want to be a missionary right here. 
Don't tell me you want to go to the nations if you're not interested in going to your neighbors, right? Start here, go everywhere. The mission begins here, right where God has planted us. Now, let me back up for a second and just say a clarification, say a caveat. Some of you are, are sitting here and you, and you hear this and you're like, yeah, I know I need to be doing, doing this. And, and you're burdened. Like, oh, another thing to do. You know, you're a mom and you're just struggling to survive and get the kids off to school and get the, the, the lunches made and just to keep the home running. There's like, another thing I've got to do. And I'm not saying that you have to be the, the social chairman of, of the street, you know. I'm not saying that you have to, have to go knocking on doors to people that, that you don't know, but what I'm saying is that this has to be some mentality that you have and desire that you have to reach the people around you. And it's going to look different for each of us. It's going to look different. I got a friend over here, Joe Regner. Joe, I'm going to embarrass him, but Joe is a masterful evangelist. He inspires me because every time he comes back from a, from a, a business trip, he, he talks about the, the people that he witnessed to, the, 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 the clients that he talked to Jesus about, the people that he was on the airplane. Or, and, and, and it inspires me, but, uh, but sometimes it's like, ah, I'm not Joe. That's, that's, that's not, I've never been one to just kind of share Christ with the person uh, checking me out at the grocery grocery store, right? That, that's just never been my style. And guess what? It's not a competition. It's not a competition. You don't, you don't have to become some personality that you're not to be able to be a part of God's mission. It's not a competition, but it's also not an option. It's essential to what it means to follow Jesus but you got to find your way to do it. you got to find the way God has uniquely wired you. The Great Commission, you could say it has uh, three kind of senses to the Great Commission. Winning people to Jesus, equipping people to mature in Jesus, and thirdly, sending them out to reach other people for Jesus. Winning, equipping, and sending. And some people, like Joe, are going to be masterfully gifted at winning at, at leading that person to faith in Jesus at the first time, others of us are going to be more uh, equipped and gifted to, uh, to equip people and help people mature. And some of you are uniquely gifted to be involved in the sending of people, the fundraising for people and the prayer for people and being a support to those who are out there making disciples, winning, equipping, and sending. It's not a competition, but it's also not optional. It's something that each of us have to be involved in. And I'm not giving this message and we're not doing this, this series for me to crush you with expectations and, and crush you with guilt, but to inspire you that this is what God has called you to do. This is the big mission that he's about and he wants you to partner with him in what he's doing around the world and in your neighborhood. Let me just talk briefly uh, what are, some, what are some barriers that we have as we think about reaching out to people and as we think about making disciples? I bet as, I bet as this message has gone on, some of you are already, you have your barriers up. You have uh, kind of your excuses, if you will, of, of why you're exempt from this. Let me, let, me, <laughs> let, me, uh, let me list what I think are some of the most popular ones are, okay? The first one I have is just apathy. I mean, just to be quite honest... Sometimes we're kept, we're held back from the mission simply because of apathy. A second one is ignorance. You're like, hey, I, 
I just don't know what to say. I, I don't know how to do this. I, I need some coaching. So apathy, ignorance. Thirdly, isolation. And fourthly, fear. <laughs> anyone, ha- anyone can identify with that? Fear? Apathy. Let me talk about that briefly. Man, if, if, if this just burdens you, if this uh, brings guilt to you, let me just say this. Start with prayer. Start with prayer and say, God, would you change my heart? Would you give me a heart for my neighbors and the nations? Would you give me a compassion instead of a frustration for the lost people in my world? Romans chapter 10, verse 1 Paul says this. Paul writes, My heart's desire and prayer is for their salvation. He's talking about his Israelite brothers. He says, My heart's desire and prayer is for their salvation. So let me ask us this morning is it your heart's desire to see people come to know Jesus? And if it's not, just kind of admit that silently to the Lord. You know, it, it's not my heart's desire. Lord, give me that desire. And then he says, not only my heart's desire, but it's my prayer. When's the last time you prayed for a coworker that doesn't know Jesus? When's the last time you prayed for a neighbor or a family member that doesn't know Jesus? Paul's example here is, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for their salvation. And, and if you, like me, struggle and and how to do this naturally and how to do this courageously, just begin to pray, God, change my heart and open my eyes to the opportunities that are right in front of me of how I can more engage in your mission. Okay? Start with prayer. Secondly, ignorance. Man, I don't know what to say. I don't even know where to begin, you know? Uh, What do I just, you know, start? You're going to hell? Let's talk. You know, I mean... uh, no, probably not. Uh, I know. I know one preacher, uh, and he he's, he's he's really bold about this. He says he when he meets new people, neighbors, he's like, so you know, my name's Ross. I'm a preacher. So when are we going to talk about Jesus? You know, that's the way he introduces himself. We're gonna you, you know we're gonna have to talk about Jesus. So when do you want to do that? You know, give me a time we can do that because you know we got to talk about that. Uh, that's not my style. But uh, if you don't know how to do it, if you have this, this problem of ignorance, well, we have uh, some help for you, okay? One of the things that we use in our membership class around here is this gospel presentation called The Story. If you want one of these little booklets, they're out on the Connection Center, okay? It's called The Story, and you can read through this, or you can give this to a friend and read through it with them, and it basically walks you through how to tell them about Jesus and begin a relationship with Jesus. It's called The Story. Guess what? There's an app for that. It's a free app, so just go to the App Store later after church, okay? Go to the App Store and just, and just download the Story app, and it walks you through a very simple way to share your faith. Uh, there's other ways. If, if, you, if you want some coaching on this, I'd be happy to sit down over coffee with you and show you how to do this. Our elders, our staff would be happy to meet with you and coach you through. How do you begin a conversation? There's, multi, there's more methods, okay, than you can shake a stick at. But there's one message, okay, and it's a message about Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says this, Be ready to make a defense for the hope that is within you. Be ready are you ready? 
to be able to do this, you got to know what you're going to say. Eventually, you're going to have to have a conversation. Be ready. Be prepared. Get educated. Let me know how I can help you. Get this booklet, okay? Third barrier, isolation. That is, you're just kind of living, you're kind of in a church bubble. You're, you're kind of in a North Texas church bubble, and the, the honest truth is you don't know many non-Christians. Uh, you're, you're just kind of isolated or insulated from the rest of the world. And i got to be honest with you, this is something I struggle with, you know? I, I, I go to work with, you know, almost all Christians. No, just kidding. Uh, they're all and I hang out with you people all the time, and I'm exhausted when I get home, and I've got three kids and a wife that I got to take care of, and and I have to be intentional with neighbors or whatever to know people that are unchurched or unsaved because I kind of live, I can live in this little isolated bubble. We talked about this all through the fall in a series called Thriving in Babylon. We, we can't just, this is not the time in our culture, as scared as you are and as doomsday as you may be, this is not the time to hole up and just have a little holy huddle. We've got to move out and, and have relationships with people that are meaningful, right? J- Jesus prayed this, John chapter 17, 15, write down this one. John 17, 15, he said, my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. He's praying to the Father about his disciples, and he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Don't get them out of this wretched place, but protect them from the evil one. Later on, he'll go, he'll go on to say in that same chapter, he'll say, as you have sent me, so I am sending them. As you have sent me, so I am sending them. Start here, go everywhere. Okay, isolation. We got to fight back isolation. And then fourthly, fear. I mean, who doesn't have a little trepidation about this? Man, that, that can be a, an awkward conversation. And that the rules in our culture say, hey, no, no one can claim my way is the right way. That's just kind of the under penning cultural rule. This brings fear. This brings trepidation. Well, there's great news. When Jesus gave this great commission, again, back to Matthew chapter 28, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. He gives a great promise at the end of that commission. He says, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. He says, I'm going to be with you. Why does he say that? Because he knows you're going to be scared. You're going to have some insecurities about this. And if you're going to really do this, you're going to need to know that God's with you in it, right? Go and make disciples. Go and tell people about Jesus. Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. If you read the verse before in chapter in, in uh, chapter 28, verse 18, it says that he gave him this commission while some of them were worshiping, but they also doubted. You have doubts? You're not exempt. Because Jesus gave this very commission to the disciples in the midst of their worship that was mixed with doubt. And he promises, I will be with you. My five-month-old, they're saying, wrap it up. That's him. Wrap it up, Dad. Okay. Here's, here's what I want to do. Just the end application challenge, okay? The first thing that Jesus says, thank you, son. Amen. He wants the microphone. I know it. Uh, The first thing Jesus said in that great commission, go. One word, two letters, go. Will you go? (laughs) 
And two questions, okay? Two application questions. Do you have a heart for God's mission? I mean, let's, just, let's just be honest. We're going to bow our head in a minute and just do business with the Lord. Just say, God, I, I, my heartbeat doesn't beat like I know it should. Would you change my heart? Would you give me a heart for your mission? Would you give me a heart for the lost? Secondly, do you have a strategy? You need to have a strategy. You need to have a plan. And the good news is we have one for you. We have a strategy for you. Brent alluded to this earlier in the service, but um, kind of one of our 2017 uh, focus, foci is plural. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm kind of getting giddy here at the end of the message. It's because of my son. Uh, we have, we have a strategy for you, okay? This is back on the Connection Center as well, and uh, our 2017 strategy is we want to read the Word and we want to share the Word. So on the front side of this uh, little handout is a Bible reading plan for us to all read in the same place each day in the Scripture. It's a New Testament reading plan, Okay. So you read the Word, and, and this has been helpful to me to commit to kind of a, a systematic reading. So you read the Word, but on the other side of the card, it talks about sharing the Word, making disciples, sharing the Word. And so we ask, well, there's some verses here, and then down at the bottom, we, there's two checkboxes, and it says, prayer, care, share. It rhymes, doesn't it? Isn't that cute? Prayer, care, share. This is your strategy. And it says, I commit to the 2017 Bible reading plan. And then secondly, I commit to praying for, caring for, and sharing with. And then there's two blanks there, okay? One is a special family I'm praying for, caring for, sharing with. It's hard to say. And then secondly, one special person, okay? So your family might pray uh, for some neighbors or for some family. And I, I really want this to be people that are in your life daily or weekly, okay? probably at least weekly. I'm reading the word and I want to share the word and I'm praying for this special family or I'm praying for this special person, this someone that I work with. And you begin, here's the threefold strategy, you begin by praying for him. God, give me a heart for Bob, you know. Help me be your instrument in his life to reach out to him. You just begin to pray that. And it'll be interesting to see how you pray that for five days, for seven days, for a couple months, how your heart for Bob changes, how you see opportunities as you interact with him. So you pray for him or her, and then you care. You just show concern. You say, you, you say hey, how was, how was your kid's uh, basketball game? How'd that go? Hey, uh, you're sick. Let me bring you a meal. You just look for ways to show love, show God's love to that person, Right? Prayer, care, and then share. And finally, you look for ways, you make ways, you make ways to share the gospel to begin to have those spiritual conversations, okay? Prayer, care, share. Read the word and share the word, okay? Someone take that baby out in the lobby, okay? It's getting really distracting. Goodness, lady. Okay. Would you, would you bow your heads? And pray with me. Father God, uh, uh, we just come to you. And we confess that, uh, I confess, 
that my heart uh, is often way too cold to you and that my compassion um, for those around me and for the lost in this world is way too shallow. And so, God, I pray for my heart and I pray for all of our hearts here that you would make us like Jesus, that you would make us people who look upon the crowds with compassion and that we would begin to better play our part, play our role in your great mission of reconciling this world. I want to give you a minute just to pray silently where you are and then I'll close this. Just talk to God and do business with him. Jesus, you created us. You hold it all together. You right now allow us to breathe, to love, to feel pain. You've graced us with so much in this world and where we live and the opportunities we have and the loved ones we have. But most of all, you've graced us with yourself. We thank you that you're the great missionary who didn't wait for us to come to you, but you came to us. Jesus, give us your heart. Jesus, prepare us to speak your word. Jesus, send us out of here as your ambassadors, your ministers and missionaries. And let the world know your glory. Amen.